What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode, the United States credit rating downgraded. The decision heard around the world from Fitch Ratings. If you're going to downgrade the United States, you effectively have to downgrade everybody else. Reaction from J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon and from Warren Buffett. The dollar is the reserve currency of the world, and everybody knows it. Plus, how a lawmaker's perspective matches up. It's West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. This is a fiscal cliff, and we're getting closer and closer. Now, this warning shot, I think, by Fitch's is this. I don't think it'll take 12 years for Moody to step up to the plate. What this symbolic downgrade tells him about the quandary of bipartisan spending. This is not normal, and it's not right, and it's not a good fiscal policy for the future generation. It's Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and John Fort. John, welcome. Good Thank to see you. you. Yeah, good to be here. Andrew, great to see you. Joe great is to off you, today, of everybody. Let's take a look at what's been happening with the U.S. equity futures at this hour. Today's big story on the podcast, the downgrade heard round the world. On a balmy August afternoon, Fitch Ratings downgraded the United States' long-term credit. Essentially, Fitch knocked U.S. debt down a peg from AAA, the gold star rating denoting the safest possible investment, to AA+. It was a shock for American investors and leaders, but not everyone was concerned about the material impact of this downgrade. CEO of JPMorgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, spoke to CNBC yesterday after the news broke. It doesn't really matter that much. Uh, you know, the markets decide. It's not the rain agencies make these big decisions. Number two, they point out some issues which we all knew about, about our debt ceiling crisis and things like that. But uh, number three, most important, the American public, this is the most prosperous nation on the planet. It's still the most prosperous nation on the planet. It's the most secure nation on the planet. And I would point out to the rating agencies, if I could, that there are a bunch of countries rated higher than us, like AAA, but they live under the American uh, enterprise military system. For, to have them be AAA and not America is kind of ridiculous. And an analyst from Fitch who looks at these issues was on CNBC yesterday, too. That would be Richard Francis. He's co-head of the Fitch America's Sovereign Group. This is a steady deterioration that we've seen in some of the key metrics uh, for the United States for, for a number of years. Uh, debt to GDP in 2007, general government debt was, was less than 60%, and now it's 113%. So there's been a clear deterioration. Furthermore, we're expecting uh, fiscal deficits to, to rise over the next three years, and we expect debt to continue to rise over the next three years. 
Now, this is all happening only a week after our central bank chair, Jay Powell, announced the Federal Reserve is no longer forecasting a recession, which was pretty optimistic news. The markets, for their part, are chugging right along, focused on digesting other numbers, like corporate earnings and the latest private employment report from payroll company ADP, which showed small businesses are boosting hiring, which is another positive headline. Essentially, the markets are not seeing this Fitch downgrade as a disaster. Looks like they're shrugging it off, as we heard on our TV broadcast this morning. Andrew, we talked about this yesterday, about how the market was kind of blowing off uh, the downgrade from Fitch, at least in the morning. You saw yields under pressure, which would have been the opposite that you had anticipated. But through the course of the day, you did see yields pick up a bit. I still don't understand whether that's what's really affected the market yesterday or it was just the bevy of earnings, some of which came in better than expected, but a number of which I think, frankly, were weaker. But to me, me, well, and, and you had the ADP report, so I Which think you was put stronger those than expected, together. and maybe brought the expectation that that'll bring more pressure on the Fed to, to raise rates again. So right? uh, I mean, all that, of those that things kind of come again. A much better rationale than 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 that Fitch report, which, as you know, at least my view was, not that it's silly. It's it's an important thing to say aloud, but yeah. you know, the world's a relative place, and if if you downgrade the United States, you have to effectively downgrade all the other uh, AAA uh, developed countries in the world. Otherwise. Uh, you know, if we get a, if we get a cold, if we sneeze, they sneeze. So otherwise, the ratings are become a joke. Otherwise, well, I, what I will say is, listening to one of the guys who was actually at Fitch responsible for the downgrade, this is something they're basically looking at this over 20 years and saying it's gotten right. progressively worse. Our debt levels are certainly worse than they were before the pandemic, uh, worse than they were when you went into the financial crisis when it was at 60 something percent. Now we're at 113 percent. That may be down from the 120 percent that we were a year or two ago. So you see some improvement there. But if you're looking at this over 20 years, governance has gotten worse. A lot more times that we're coming up to the limit with the debt uh, ceiling debate talks. And you are talking about a worse economic uh, outlook. And those are things that are worth paying attention to. Sometimes the silly things matter. I mean, (laughs) it's one thing to talk about the economy. It's another thing to talk about markets. And these have been, especially in 2023, you know, equities have defied gravity for a long time, defied expectations. And sometimes... Something sparks a sentiment shift. Not saying that this is going to be that thing, but yeah, I mean, there's some, you know, real facts right. no, no. in Fitch's my, explanation of why they did this. But I don't disagree with the, by the way, their explanation of the yeah. of their perspective. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm just suggesting. If you're going to downgrade the United States, you effectively have to downgrade everybody else. Otherwise, it makes a mockery of the ratings. Right, because right. Because it's supposed is, to say, be. If we, yeah. if we is, sneeze, is the U.S. not going to be able to pay off its debts because of the, no, right? We and can, if we can't pay yeah. off our debts, guess what? Canada can't either. And so all of a sudden, you have a rating system that doesn't actually make sense. So I, I, I agree with the commentary around the idea that that we're not in in better shape than we were 20 years ago, and, and there's important things we have to look at. I just find the whole timing of it. If they had done this, by the way. And I and I I had done some reporting that heard that there was some interest in actually going public with a view like this two months ago when the when when the debt ceiling debate was actually happening. That to me would have been very understandable. But it seems sort of just again, the timing of it all seems odd, not the not the overall view. But then I think you have to do a lot of other things at the same time. 
Well, for anybody who's been paying attention, anybody who's in the Treasury markets, this is not really news. People know what's right. been out there. And we do have some new commentary from Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffett on the rating agency's downgrade of the U.S. long-term credit rating. Basically, he says he's not worried about it, and it's not changing anything that Berkshire is doing in the markets right now. Here's a quote from him. He said, Berkshire bought $10 billion in U.S. Treasuries last Monday. We bought $10 billion in Treasuries this Monday. And the only question for next Monday is whether we will buy $10 billion in three-month or six-month T-bills. That's what uh, he told us yesterday. That's been the decision that Berkshire makes every week recently. That's what he talked about in Japan when, when we spoke with him there. That's what he talked about at the annual meeting in May. Uh, this is the safest place to be. And he doesn't think that people should be worried about this. He made these comments in part to ease concerns about the downgrade. He said there are some things that people shouldn't worry about. This is one. Now, that's not to say that the concerns raised by Fitch aren't valid. Buffett also said that he doesn't agree with everything the federal government is doing right now, but it doesn't change how he sees U.S. Treasuries or the dollar. Here's another quote for him, from him. He said, the dollar is the reserve currency of the world, and everybody knows it. So just something to keep in mind on all of these issues. If you look to the big investors, not changing their perspective on the Treasury market, not changing their perspective on dollars. We talked a little bit about it. I mean, if you looked back... He was saying Berkshire was fortunate because they were invested in the U.S. Treasuries back in 2007, 2008, when you saw the, the, the great financial crisis that hit. If he had been invested in AAA, you know, right. you know, if you were invested in AAA bonds at that time or in the credit markets, things froze up. He would not have been able to do all the things he was able to do because Berkshire was invested in treasuries. It's the default place where people want to be. And he was just saying this shouldn't change anybody's perspective on that. And that's the other thing, though, about this, Becky, don't you think? I mean, this is the, this bond market is one of the most covered, most uh, by most people liquid. like Warren Buffett and yeah. liquid people understand. I mean, this is one of the most well understood markets. So it's not to dismiss what Mitch, what Fitch is saying at all, because I think no. they're raising important issues. But the idea that one rating agencies on on treasuries, I mean, maybe if it was on some smaller company, um, you know, high, high, you know, some very indebted company, you'd. you'd look up and go, oh, my goodness, I, I need to pay attention to this. Well, I, I don't know. I don't can know. I just can I just um, add Fitch in the commentary that I heard from one of the Fitch people who had made this decision, the guy who, who was talking about it, was saying, yep. look, we are still at the second highest rating that we have for any of these things. But we are seeing a steady decline over the last 20 years in things that matter, things like governance and things like uh, debt to GDP. Uh, those are important measurements, and it's probably totally valid. By the way, Moody's did this years ago and has not reversed and put it back, so this is the second rating agency to do it. I gotta say, this, this does remind me of my 11th grade English teacher, right? I, I turned in an English paper, I remember, and I got it back, and I got a B, and I was mad because I saw my classmates, some of them, their writing wasn't as good, they got better grades. I took it to her, I said, hey, why'd I get a B on this? She said, for you, this is B work. So I think maybe, you know, part of this is, yeah, it doesn't make total sense, but for the United States, maybe this isn't AAA work. I mean, I think we know the, the facts underlying this, and it's one thing for Warren Buffett not to be concerned, for Jamie Dimon not to be concerned, but ordinary investors, right, uh, you know, citizens who are thinking about um, making choices on election day, should they be thinking about the economy? Should they be maybe a bit more concerned about the direction? I don't know. I mean, there might be something here.
We are getting some other reaction uh, to the Fitch uh, downgrade, this time from Senator Joe Manchin. He reached out to Joe Kernan, who's on vacation, with a message for the Squawk Box audience. He said the following, quote, the downgrading of America's credit rating by Fitch represents a historic failure of leadership by both political parties and the executive branch. The credit agency specifically cited the decline in governance, erosion of cooperation in the federal government and ballooning national debt when making that determination to lower our credit rating. This is a stark warning that cannot be ignored. We must act now to fully fund the government and address our national debt before we wake up to a future where America's superpower status is in jeopardy and we have lost the confidence of all of our allies around the world. Every American will suffer if Washington politics get in the way of long-term solutions that address these challenges. September will be a crucial month as the deadline to fund the federal government grows closer now more than ever. It is time for elected leaders from both parties to work together and send a clear message to the world that we will take the necessary fiscal and budgetary steps to restore our credit rating and keep America's economy strong for this generation and the next. I think we can say amen to that. He, of course, has tried as, as much as any, any politician to take a bipartisan approach uh, to just about everything in Washington these days, though I know people probably have lots of different uh, perspectives on, on things that he has said over, over time. But uh, that, I think, is uh, hard not to agree with. Yeah, it's good to hear Washington kind of stepping up and, and listening to what Fitch has said, the concerns behind it, and saying they're going to address it. So looking forward to hearing more from Senator Manchin in the next hour. And those comments from uh, Manchin and Buffett come after Jamie Dimon's remarks yesterday. Here's what the J.P. Morgan CEO said in an interview with our Leslie Picker about that Fitch downgrade. This is the most prosperous nation on the planet, um, North America. We have the Atlantic and the Pacific, the best military, the best economy the world's ever seen, the most innovation. The credit is sound. It should be the highest rated credit in the world. And yes, there are issues about, you know, they're being raised publicly. I agree with that. We should get rid of the debt ceiling. Uh, it's a very different tone from what we're hearing from, uh, from Joe Manchin, right, who, who's trying to make something of this, saying, hey, uh, I, alarm I, bell, right? I, I actually don't think there's a much difference between Buffett, Jamie Dimon, and Joe Manchin. I, I actually think if the three of them were in the room, they would agree on all of these points. Right. I think I Jamie think Dimon right. and Warren Buffett can look at it and say, okay, the market's going to continue to operate as normal. But I think both Dimon and Buffett would say, yes, we want Washington to address some of these issues. I right. mean, Buffett said very specifically that he doesn't agree with everything Washington's doing right now. Uh, and he, he made the comment that Congress can always screw this up. The administration can always screw this up if you're pushing and doing things too hard. He does think that sounder, um, sounder people will prevail in all of this because you could screw it up all along the way. But I don't think there's anybody who looks at this seriously and doesn't say, yes, we would like to see them address the debt. But the more. difference, I think, is that uh, Warren Buffett is saying, hey, I'm doing the same thing this week as I did last week, and I'm going to do the same thing next week, where Joe Manchin is saying, here's a chance for us to do something different. So it is, I think, I think a call to action. I, I right? think Buffett would applaud what, what Joe Manchin is saying on this, too. I think you can look at it all and say, okay, we're still going to go along with this. But sure, let's pay a little attention to this and let's take this pretty seriously. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, we hear from Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia directly. He joins the chorus of responses to the Fitch downgrade of U.S. credit. When you look at 21 years that we have spent more than we've taken in, you can blame whoever you want to, starting with George W. Bush up to present. Democrats and Republicans are guilty. 
and we've got to fix this, and we're not taking it seriously. How this lawmaker's perspective matches up to Jamie Dimon's and Warren Buffett's right after this. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC, where we're taking stock of the slew of responses to Fitch's downgrade of the U.S. credit rating. We've heard from Wall Street, Washington, even Omaha, Nebraska, and now West Virginia. Here's Becky. Back to what we heard from Fitch, the commentary that's coming out around that. Senator Joe Manchin actually reaching out to our very own Joe Kernan, who's on vacation this week. He's got a message for the Squawk Box audience when it comes to that Fitch downgrade. He says it's a stark warning to both political parties and to the White House. Joining us right now on the Squawk Newsline is West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin himself. And, Senator, uh, thanks for calling in today. This, um, this downgrade oh, from good Fitch. Morning. Good morning to all three of you, Becky. Thank you. Good morning. Good, good, morning. Good, to, good to hear from you, Senator. This uh, warning from Fitch, even though a lot of investors have said that it doesn't change their opinion on what happens with this, they do say that Fitch raises some valid concerns. And one of the things that Fitch pointed to was governance, that it has gotten much more complicated, much more difficult. What, what are your thoughts when you hear this downgrade? Well, I was uh, concerned. Let me just uh, put it in perspective. I uh, got elected to be governor of West Virginia in November of 2004. And we had a low, uh, low credit rating from all three, Fitch's, Standard & Poor's, and Moody's. First thing I did a week after I got elected in November, I didn't take office until the second week in January of 2005. I went to New York, and I asked all three. I went to all three offices, and I said, tell me about my state. I just got elected CEO of a, of a company called West Virginia. Tell me what you think about it. And they gave it un, unfiltered truth about where our challenges were and why we were down, why we were in a downgrade situation. I said, what can I do to improve it? My Achilles heel was my workers' comp, and it was basically killing our state and our employment and the economy and everything. So I had to go back, and with one week, we changed, and we privatized workers' comp, and now we have the lowest rates in the country just about on workers' comp. It's a great place to do business, and people have come, and we've grown. So I know it means something. So what I did yesterday, I called Paul Taylor. CEO of Fitches, uh, over in England, got him last night. We had a nice talk. And he explained to me, he says, listen, it's been 12 years since, this, uh, since Standard & Poor's is downgraded. He says, nothing's going to happen, Joe. He says, I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon. But we can see this for the last 20 years. So when you look at 21 years that we have spent more than we've taken in, you can blame whoever you want to, starting with George W. Bush up to present. Democrats and Republicans are guilty. 
and we've got to fix this, and we're not taking it seriously. So I welcome the basically the uh, uh, this news that Fitch has given us to get our governance, our, our, our financial house in order, if you will, and take it serious, and to put other things in perspective. We just did for the first time in five years in the Senate, we passed all 12 of our probes bills. But here's what you don't know. The raise, just the deal that was made on the Fiscal Responsibility Act that basically the President Biden and Kevin McCarthy came to an agreement on of what the caps would be. In order to get the 12 bills out, it was raised $13.7 billion. So the only thing that's keeping us working in a bipartisan way is if we can spend more money. And I made a comment, and I spoke out in the probes meeting that this is wrong. But my goodness, that's not going to be what happens in the House. And when people are saying there could be a government shutdown, that's what they're saying. There's so much difference in how do we spend, why do we have to continue to spend, and why can't we curtail it? Just basically a little bit of the responsibility that we have and have the ability to come to agreement that we have a fiscal runaway train that has grown. And when you think the last time that we actually passed a budget on time by September 30th, was 1997. In 1997, you're talking about $5.5 trillion of debt, which they thought was horrendous at that time, and now we're at $32.5 trillion. So, yes, I do take that serious, and I am doing everything I can to make sure that we are responsible. Do you have um, other people in the Senate, other people in the House who you think agree with you on this? Because... You're right. The only thing bipartisan, the only thing that keeps things going is when both sides agree to spend more. Do, do you That's have exactly other right. people there who are of the same mindset you are who would say, yes, we need to do something about this and we need to get together and do it now? Who, who would you point to? Who are other, well, other but, kind but, of know, comrades? I'm not, I'm not going to point anybody out. I think that everyone knows that, first of all, there's not a person in America that's listening to you right now or watching that can go 21 paychecks just forget about 21 years, and spend more every paycheck than they brought in. They can't go 21 paychecks. We've gone 21 years. They think this is ludicrous. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. In the state of, you know, 46 states, I believe, have a balanced budget amendment. Every week I sat down with my budget committee, and I had to basically, as governor, make decisions that if we go stay on this trend, and the following week they come back, and they said, we've got to make some adjustments. And we would do that. It was my responsibility constitutionally. We don't have that now. I guess, you know, we never had a printing press in West Virginia, so I guess that was the situation. But in, in no one takes seriously that we're spending more and we're not doing anything to make sure that we balance that out. Can't you either income or revenue or spending or things have to change in order to balance that? There's no restrictions on us to live within the means that every citizen in America has to, every business that's successful, small or large, has to, and adjustments have to be made. And the only adjustment we make is to agree to spend more. And there's a lot of people that understand this is a fiscal cliff, and we're getting closer and closer. Now, this warning shot, I think, by Fitch's is this. I don't think it'll take 12 years for Moody to step up to the plate. That's awful to say. But if they don't, I mean, they're the ones that are watching and evaluating. You know, we don't even do a risk management. We do nothing at all until we hit the fiscal cliff every year. We'll raise it because we have to pay more and we have to spend more. We spent more and we have to raise it to pay our bills. 
We're always going to pay the bills. I agree. So Senator, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, Andrew. Senator, look, can, can you just speak to the to the politics of this? Because historically, the the perception has been that Democrats uh, want to spend, 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 um, and then on the other side, uh, historically, you've had Republicans who've wanted to lower taxes which, of course, has created its own, in some cases, revenue problems, and in some cases, it's increased revenues or, or at least hasn't hurt revenues. But you, you, you see where this goes. And so my question, which really goes back to Becky's question, and, and you don't need to name names, but what has to change in the political system and within our country to create incentives among your colleagues to try to create balanced budgets? And, and how do you tell an American public that wants, 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 you know, this is the ultimate me generation, right? Everybody wants something. And how do you tell them you're either not getting it or you're getting less of it? Well, uh, let me just, the toughest one to talk about, nobody wants to talk about it because it's so toxic, is Social Security. We're scared to death to talk about Social Security. Well, I can tell you there's so many people in my state, a high, high percentage, that Social Security and Medicare is their lifeline. That's it. So why do we keep jeopardizing it? We have a cap of 167000 I think is where it is today, of where the taxes stop. Well, guess what? There's not that many people in West Virginia that make more than $167,000, and they're paid. They're paying 100% of the tax. Everyone above that does not because it stops. Maybe we should take the cap off, okay, to give us, to give us some bad cash flow that we're not facing the cliff in six, seven, eight years where there's going to be an automatic 20% cut. We've all been warned about that. Nobody wants to talk about it. And I say for the high-income earners, and I've had so many of them tell me, hey, Joe, uh, I can do away with my Social Security check. Just don't even send it to me. Well, I'll guarantee you one thing. What you could do and not create any backlash at all is people over a certain income level or high earners take the COLA away. They will never receive the COLA because they don't need it. There's some things that we can do does not jeopardize a person's quality of life, or how they live their life. It makes a big difference to the people that depend on it. We can't even have those conversations, Andrew. That's what's a shame. Senator, I, I know people are telling me that uh, you and Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon agree here, but you just sound different to me than they do, because it sounds like you're saying that this Fitch ratings cut, whether you agree with it specifically or not, you understand it, and that this is a moment for action, uh, the, the way you're calling it out. Am I reading that wrong? Yeah. Is this, this is John, right? It is. Hey, John, thank you. Uh, I think that what you have evaluated, if you put me and, and, and uh, Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon in the same room, we would agree. And I think they would agree also that this is not normal. How the, the toxic atmosphere and what's being accepted as the normal in the political arena today is not normal in America. And it's not how you run the superpower of the world and with the greatest economy. You don't run it this way. And that's what we're saying. So this is a warning shot. Hey, guys, those of you who have the ability to put a vote towards a piece of legislation and have, have a, uh, a, a roadmap of how you're going to get yourself out of this. Only thing I would say, you say, Joe, what about the fiscal cliff? Why do we go down? Why do we make people believe that we may default and not pay our bills? Okay, that's crazy. You want to get rid of that? And you better replace it with something that puts, holds our feet to the fire. Replace it with a balanced budget amendment, like most states have. You can have exceptions because of war and, and extreme uh, disasters and things of this sort. 
but also there has to be a reason why. But the savings that you would have from any changes that you make should be dedicated to debt reduction. No one's even doing that, John. So I think that basically, the, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a chance for us to say you've got two of the three main credit rating agencies in the country and in the world. Two of them have said, now, guys, get your act together. We have less confidence in how you're governing yourself because you're, it's always extremes. It has to come down to basically a crisis before you can come together. And in the, pre, in the last 21 years, the only way it brought you together is to spend more money. The other issue, Senator, the, the U.S. debt as a share of the economy, according to the CBO, is on track to surpass even World War II levels by 2029. Mm-hmm. And you've got higher interest rates that we're dealing with now as well, which means that what we are paying every month just to service the debt is going to be a much bigger and bigger number to the tune of like a trillion dollars in the not-too-distant future. Well, um, that's, you know, Beckley, when we spend, uh, thank you for that, but when we're spending, I think the thing is you can put it, into comparison, when the debt that we're servicing, just the debt that we're servicing, and the interest on that debt exceeds what we spend to defend our great country and help our allies around the world, don't you think that should be a wake-up call? Don't you think we should be concerned about that? That's all I'm saying. We should, maybe we should put a bipartisan fiscal committee together. Maybe we should have a risk evaluation of what we're facing if we continue down this risky path. We've been talking about that also, and I think that makes sense. And give it, give it some basics, some, some clout to where, hey, if we come to an agreement and a bipartisan fiscal commission with both Senate and House working together, Republicans and Democrats, and we have a majority of a vote that's bipartisan, then it has to go to the floor for a vote to make changes in our, how we govern ourselves. Something has to be done because we don't have the will to do anything because it's so abnormal what's happening in Washington. We're not, we've never governed this way. It's not always somebody else's fault. And the governing going on today is basically, can I blame somebody else for a problem that maybe we're all responsible, but I can make you believe it's their fault more than mine? Uh, that's not how I operate, and that's not what I believe in. Senator, what kind of reaction uh, have you gotten uh, or in your own conversations with this administration about the Fitch downgrade or, or the need just more broadly for fiscal responsibility. I asked because, of course, the immediate reaction yesterday uh, was all about maybe tactical issues, the timing of this. Did it make sense? I even raised issues about, you know, if you look at the model, it looks like it's getting better. Why do it? Why did do? Why did Fitch do it now? Should have they done it three years ago? And we, we can we can look at that as a political issue. But but I am curious whether you think emotionally, President Biden and this administration see this the same way you do or not? Andrew, I'm not blaming this administration, okay? I think that everybody is doing, uh, they're working in a way that they think is responsible. I think there's a better way that we can do it by looking at how we interpret pieces of legislation and how much cost is to that legislation. The the biggest thing that's got us to this point here is legislation that's well-intended, and, with, and if you don't put caps on it, if you don't put absolute spending parameters on it, and if you just deal in good faith, I can tell you that a liberal interpretation sometimes will bust that budget. Well, if you think you're going to have a trillion-dollar bill and you've got shown you got pay for is how you pay for it, and the bill comes into a trillion-six after a 10-year period, that's $600 billion 
is basically debt finance. That's how we've grown this debt so quickly over a period of time. So to blame one administration is wrong. The Trump administration is as guilty uh, as, as any other, and then ever, the Obama administration, and then you have the Bush administration. They're all guilty. We were in a downward trajectory after 1997, and that came under Clinton's administration. And that, be, that was because you had, uh, uh, you had Erskine Bowles and John Kasich, as I'm understanding, working out the details of a new tax proposal back then that spun off balanced budgets, that spun off ex- uh, profits that we had as far as uh, surpluses. And we'd have been, as I'm told, we'd have been basically on a trajectory to be debt-free by 2006. And then we had 9-11 happen. We had two wars that we didn't pay for. We declared, and then we had two tax, major tax cuts. And those could have been, you know, we could have basically just revoked those after a 10-year period. Uh, But no, we started basically carving out who we're going to protect and this and that. We're all in this. Everyone has to pay the fair share. But the bottom line is, is the thing right now, when you try to pick and choose, uh, makes it pretty hard to have any type of uh, continuity to how we're going to pay our bills. And that's why I'm saying balanced budget, uh, fiscal responsibility committee, things of that sort that has to look at exactly where we are and how we're going to be in the next five or ten years. And I agree with what they're saying, and Paul Taylor confirmed that from Fitch's. This is not going to change anything anytime soon, but it's going to happen, and it's going to be closer and closer and going to happen quicker than what we anticipated. So it won't be another 12 years before we hear any of this concern again. It's going to be quicker than that. So shouldn't we heed the warnings that we've received and do something? I think that's what we're talking about, and that's what we should do. So I welcome the news that someone at that level has said, guys, get your act together. This is not normal, and it's not right, and it's not a good fiscal policy for the future generations. Senator Manchin, I want to thank you for calling in today and uh, explaining your thought process on this and and just uh, how you reached out to Fitch as well. Uh, We hope you will continue to update us on whatever progress you can make in in kind of taking this as a clarion call. But uh, again, Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Senator, thank you for calling in. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, John. Thank you, Andrew. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC starting at 6 a.m. To get the smartest takes and analysis from that three-hour TV broadcast right into your ears, follow us here at Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.